The uh, reading tonight is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, beginning at the first verse, and this can be found on page 970 of the Church Bible. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have your, no, you'll have. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites in the synagogues and out in the streets do, to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Thank you very much, Keith. Uh, this evening we're going to be carrying on in the series we've been going through in the Sermon on the Mount and looking at the passage that uh, Keith just read to us. It starts a new section in the sermon, uh, and we're going to do two things this evening. Partly look at the introduction to the whole of the next section, which really goes on uh, to the end of verse 24, uh, or thereabout, no, perhaps a bit before that. Um, and also then look more specifically at what Jesus is teaching us uh, about giving. But before we do that, let's just bow our heads again in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for your word to us. We thank you that in, uh, in it we find everything that we really need to know. Thank you, Lord, that in it you reveal yourself to us. You reveal your ways and your purposes, your plans. We see the, the history of what you have already uh, done within your people. And Lord, we look forward to the promises that are still yet to be fulfilled as we look forward again to uh, coming again of Jesus Christ. Lord, watch over our hearts and our minds now and teach us and encourage us, challenge us and grant us your blessing, your grace and your mercy. Amen. Well, if we look in uh, chapter 6 and the first verse there, uh, there's a, just that verse really explains what Jesus is going to be talking about over the next uh, few sections. Let me just read it to you again. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. I just want to do something which we often do at an end of a sermon, uh, but I'm going to start off with it. Uh, because I think it's important just to remind ourselves. When we're looking at something like the Sermon on the Mount, we're talking about uh, all sorts of laws. You know, as over the last few weeks, we've uh, looked at things like murder, adultery, divorce, uh, taking oaths, and whether or not we should take revenge. Uh, and it's, a lot of it is down to you shall not. And it's talking about how we should live righteous lives. And we, we can go on and uh, see furthermore, uh, uh, further in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, 
similar sorts of teachings. This is what we should look like. This is how we should behave. This is, these are the sort of the desires and attitudes that we should have. And I think it's probably fairly safe to say that for all of us, as we look at these things, there must come that point, maybe not at every single issue that he raises, there must come a point where we say, ooh, that's a bit close to the bone. It's a bit, it's pointed at us. Because we know that we don't quite match up, or we don't very much <laughs> match up uh, with everything. Some of these issues, some of you may say, well, I have no problem with that. But maybe the next issue that Jesus talks about, it's a big issue for you. And the person sitting next to you, it might be completely the other way around. But I would be astonished if any of us could read through the Sermon on the Mount, or the Ten Commandments, as uh, explained in, in the Sermon on the Mount, and not feel at some point convicted by our own inadequacies, our own sinfulness, our own inability to match up to those desires. In fact, I would suggest that if any of you read through the Sermon on the Mount and actually read it through properly, that you take note of what it's saying. If you could get to the end of it and say, yeah, I've got that sorted, I'm, I'm fine, I'm perfect, then I would suggest that you are deceiving yourselves. So what do we make of this? Jesus here in chapter 6 talks about practicing our righteousness. Um, and how righteous are we? Go back to the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount where we started a few weeks ago you know, with those sayings which we call the Beatitudes, the, you know, the ones that start, blessed are. And we come to one that says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, I was thinking about this this afternoon, um, and it will come as no great surprise to many of you to know that I'm rather partial to chocolate. You, know, you, you might be astonished by that, but... Uh, and I, I like the odd piece of chocolate, and so I'll have a piece of chocolate. Thing is, I'm not just partial to a piece of chocolate. I have one, and I want another. And then I've had that, and oh, I want another. And, 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 and it's a real act of will for me to stop and say, right, enough's enough. You know, otherwise, I could just eat my way through um, a, a, a whole bar, you know, one of those big bars, in one, in one sitting, and then start another one if I had the chance. Well, is that because I'm hungry? No, it's probably because I'm greedy or gluttonous or even addicted. True hunger is not like that. True hunger is when you're empty and you have nothing and you're feeling incapacitated by it, just filled with a longing for something that will bring nourishment to you. And that's the sort of hunger that Jesus is speaking about when he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He's not saying, blessed are the righteous because they've got it all sorted. He's saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be filled. They will be satisfied. And you say, well, how can that be? We know ourselves, don't we? No matter how hard we try to match up to the standards laid before, we, we always seem to fall. And it doesn't change the fact that in the past we haven't been righteous, so we're still guilty of that lot. How can we be filled? How can we be satisfied? 
And I think there's two parts to that. One is that ultimately we cannot be satisfied by our own efforts and our own righteousness that we've somehow managed to achieve. But we are, we are satisfied, we are filled when we are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. When we seek him, knowing our hunger, knowing our frailties, knowing our sin and our shame. And we come to him and receive his forgiveness, receive his mercy, knowing that he died to pay the penalty for our sins and clothes us with his righteousness so that as we stand before the very throne of God, we will be declared not guilty because it's as if we're covered with Jesus and, uh, and therefore we are safe and secure. And so we hunger for righteousness and it's filled in, in the most important way by what Jesus has done for us. But you know, if we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, it will also affect our desire and how we live. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus shows us how we should live and we should have a desire to do that. And not only that, but because uh, God has come to us and Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit has, uh, has renewed us, he's broken that power that sin has over us. Yes, we still sin. Yes, there are things and desires within our own bodies and the, the, uh, the hungers and desires there that, that will lead us into sin, given half an opportunity. But the actual power of sin has been broken through Jesus. So it, we've been set free to, to, to tentatively start to, to follow Christ and to do the things that he wants us to do. And so when we look at these things, he, Jesus is not asking the impossible, but it's only in him can we find victory. It's only in him that we can uh, do these things. Now, coming to chapter 6, and it says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Uh, I, I just need to make the point that when it talks about practicing your righteousness, it's not like... If you'd come before the service, you'd have heard the musicians practicing. You know. uh, it's more the sense in which you say, a doctor practices medicine. And I'm very hopeful when I go to see a doctor that they're not just practicing. They, they're actually, it's talking about the way that they are living their lives and, and the, the service that they're doing. And uh, so th this is talking about our righteousness. In fact, I, I did wonder whether the word could be replaced with the word perform our righteousness it's something that we do and I thought no that's probably not the right way of looking at it at all but it's probably the way that some of the people that Jesus is in a sense getting at in this passage might be seeing their righteousness so what is it that we need to see about how we do our righteousness interestingly that when the NIV uh, Bibles were first translated they, they translated this verse differently it said uh, something along the lines of uh, d d don't do your acts of righteousness to be seen by man. And it's talking about acts of righteousness now. I think what, what they've changed it to is a better translation. Uh, but it does make the point that there are things here that uh, Jesus is talking about that we do that are acts of righteousness. That things that sometimes we think being righteous is not doing bad things, you know. Don't steal, don't kill, don't hate, don't be covetous, don't commit adultery, don't lust uh, 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 over people that you shouldn't be, um, and, and so on and so forth. 
but to be righteous uh, is also to do things positively. It's not just you shall not, there's also you shall. And, and I'm actually so grateful, and you should be grateful today uh, for, 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 for this sermon, that Nathan spoke about this this morning. It's enabled me to cut a whole section out of my uh, sermon this evening, so we might actually get a shorter sermon this evening. Hey, there's benefits, aren't there? Um, but you know what we were talking about this morning? There's, they were commands that sum up the, the, the law, that, uh, you know, the most important commands. Love the Lord your God uh, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Those aren't thou shalt nots. Those are th uh, thou shalts. You shall. And, uh, you know, it's a reminder to us that being righteous is not just what we avoid. It's what we do. And Jesus is concerned in these passages, over the, which we'll look at over the next few weeks, uh, about the attitude with which we do the good things. In the same way that uh, in previous uh, chapter he's been looking at uh, our attitudes towards the things which we shouldn't do, and it's not just the strict letter of the law, you shan't murder, but also don't hate, and, and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and in the same way, we can do good things, but we can do them in a wrong way, for the wrong motives, for the wrong purposes. And that's really what he uh, is addressing here. And he, he takes three examples, uh, giving, praying, and fasting. And all of those things are good things. It's interesting he chooses those things because they're things which could apply to any Christian. Uh, when we were praying before the service, Nathan was uh, uh, praying about the way in which we can uh, expand this principle into lots of other areas. You know, it's not just uh, uh, giving and uh, praying and fasting. You get those right. You don't need to bother about anything else. But it affects all sorts of other aspects, particularly of our Christian lives within churches, where, uh, where we do acts of righteousness. What I'm doing now <laughs> is is preaching and that's a service that's doing an act of righteousness doing something which is good there's all sorts of other things which uh, which we do but not all of us would do but the things that he chooses are things that any of us might find ourselves doing and in fact we might argue should find ourselves doing because not doing good things can be as sinful as doing bad things uh, the old prayer book prayer of general confession has uh, we have sinned against you father in uh, thought and word and deed in the evil that we have done and in the good that we have not done and that's something worth bearing in mind isn't it that there are things that we are called to do things that we are called to be that are just as much part of being righteous as of avoiding the things that we shouldn't do Let's move on uh, and look uh, very specifically at uh, the, the theme that's going to emerge out of these uh, three things that Jesus takes as an examples uh, over the next uh, few weeks. And the whole point is uh, summed up in verse 1. Uh, be careful not to practice your righteousness, to perform your righteousness, do your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Now, some of you might think, oh, wait a minute, I know another verse that says the complete opposite, or seems to say the complete opposite of that. 
If you turn back into chapter 5 uh, and look at verse uh, 13 to 16, it's actually a short passage which we haven't looked at yet. Um, and that was because we changed the preaching rotor around a little bit and some people had already prepared their sermons. So, but we're going to return to this salt and light passage at the beginning of November. So you get a little foretaste now. But it's that passage where you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Um, and it says in verse 16, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And you say, okay, so we should be doing things to be seen so that they glorify our Father in heaven. And in verse uh, one of chapter six, he says, don't per uh, perform your acts of righteousness, do your acts of righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. What's he, why is he saying two quite different things there? Well, I think it's not so much the doing of the acts of righteousness, but it's the motive behind them. You see, it's, it's good that people know that the church is a, a righteous body, that it does good things but what Jesus is actually getting at is the attitudes that were quite common in, the, in his day where people were showing off and they were wanting to, uh, to, to do things in order that they might get the praise themselves, not with glory given to God. L look at what it says about giving. Verse 2, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. It's that attitude that Jesus is, uh, uh, is getting at. He says similar things about prayer and fasting as well. If we, <laughs> I cannot imagine actually someone coming into church and, and giving a gift and as they put it in the collection box at the back there, blowing a trumpet so that everybody could see. I'm, I, I don't think that they would get much honour from us, do you? But that's what they were doing. I was thinking what a modern-day version of that would be um, back in the temple days. Uh, I'm told, I heard this in a sermon, I, I haven't checked it out for myself, so I'm, I'm trusting the preacher I heard it from. But th there was a place where people could give, their, uh, put, give money into the treasury. And apparently there was some sort of uh, bronze collecting trumpet or whatever, trumpet horn, or whatever. and as you threw it in, it made a nice satisfying rattle as it went in. You may remember that Jesus was watching people, uh, rich people coming and giving th their gifts in the temple. Let me read Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the pl uh, place where the offerings were being put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts but a poor woman, ca widow, came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had to live on. So you, you see, that's the, the way it, giving was done. And people who are giving much money made an effort to make a great big noise about it. Do you remember, those of you uh, are old enough to remember when churches used to take offerings and put, you put money in a plate? Um, and uh, as, as the plate went along the rows, you could hear little chinks of money going into it. Um, I remember sitting near, near somebody in a church where I was a teenager, and as the plate came along, there was chink, chink, chink. And then it got to someone who didn't have anything to give or didn't want to give. As it went past, 
he banged the bottom of the tray, so it went chink, and so it sounded as if he put something in. And there was always that little sigh of awe when you heard the rustle of a paper note being put on the tray. Um, it's the same sort of thing, you know, doing something that makes a bit of a show about it. I suppose the modern equivalent, please don't get any ideas, those you know, trustees or whatever. If we passed a, a card reader along the rows, you know, and, and as you typed in the, sort of the, the money and tapped your card on the top, it made a beep. And imagine if you could program it so the more money, the bigger the beep. You, know, you got into three figures, a trumpet sounded and a searchlight, a spotlight focused in on you. Please don't get ideas. That's, that's excessive. But that's effectively what the people in Jesus' day were doing, drawing attention them to themselves, giving money and in such a way that everyone would look at them. How does Jesus describe it? They announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do and the reason to be honoured by others. And we're not to be, you know, we're not to be doing that. If, when we give, when we perform any service, when we do anything uh, for the sake of the kingdom of God and by the grace of God, we should be directing the attention to him and not to ourselves. There's some things it's difficult to avoid being seen doing. I think this would be a very pointless sermon if I went and shut myself away and nobody could see me or hear me. Uh, you know, I could preach it to myself. I've already done that about three times. But it wouldn't benefit anyone. Some things, they have to be public. But when it doesn't have to be, we should keep it private so that it doesn't draw attention to us and it doesn't have people honouring us for it. We should be giving the honour to God. If you think of those three things that we're looking at, uh, giving and praying and uh, fasting, you know, what sort of response might those be? Simply, oh, look at him. He is so generous. What a wonderful man. Or looking at somebody praying and saying, oh, look at that woman. She, listen to her prayer. She's so spiritual, so prayerful. What a wonderful person. Well, the people going around clearly demonstrating that they're fasting. Jesus describes it, uh, you know, disfiguring their faces to show that they are fasting. Can you imagine going around looking sort of haggard and weak because you haven't eaten anything for five hours or whatever. Um, and, you know, people say, oh, look at how sacrificial they are, how devoted they are. That's nonsense. Jesus says they've received their reward in full. They're looking for the praise of men. They've got it. And what's that worth? He goes on and uh, says that when we give, verse 3, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So your giving may be in secret. And then your father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. What would be the reward? Uh, I always get a little bit sort of cautious about this because I'm sure there may be things here that, that I don't know or I haven't understood. But it strikes me that instead of seeking the reward of man, saying how great you are, wouldn't the greatest reward be to hear the voice of our Lord God in heaven say, well done, good 
and faithful servant, to have him acknowledge it and say, well done, good and faithful servant, rather than exalt on the praises of other people. There are so easy for us to fall into the trap of wanting to be seen. It's also easy to put people on a pedestal. And the temptations when you do that for uh, the person concerned can be, uh, can be great. You know, if they find that people are looking up to them because they, uh, they're, they're being honoured in such a way, they may start off feeling humble and, and not wanting to draw attention. But there's something a little bit sort of infectious about it. They rather enjoy being on the pedestal and being seen and, uh, and acknowledged by others. And then it's easy when you're on a pedestal to fall off it and the pain and the hurt that comes from that. And not to say that sometimes in church life, people that get put on pedestals sometimes get pushed off them as well. We need to be people who's, <laughs> who are humble not to be looking for praise, but to do things because it's a good thing to do, a right thing to do, and it's what God wants you to do. There's a, a number of other things that I could say, and time is going, we want time for, uh, for discussion. But if you remember uh, this much, remember that you are declared righteous in, in the sight of God through Jesus Christ, that if you were to be dealt with as your life and deeds deserved, there would be no hope for you. You're nothing particularly special except the fact that you've been adopted into Jesus' family uh, by, by the grace of God. And the service that he calls you to do is something which glorifies God because of the work that, he's, that he is doing in you. As far as giving goes, I don't really, I think, need, needs an awful lot of explanation. We could have a whole sermon on what we give to and, and so on. Um, but Jesus doesn't say, if you give. He says, when you give. It's almost as if he uh, expects us to be people who are giving. Specifically, he said, talks here about giving to the needy. You can also uh, see very clearly in the New Testament uh, that uh, giving to support ministry is also there as well. Uh, and we need to be people who are willing to give. Um, I'm not going to say much more about that. We could talk about uh, what sort of level of giving is expected and so on, but maybe that um, gets us into all sorts of difficulties because uh, our, our circumstances vary and, and ex expectations vary. But Perhaps the thing I, I would say is we shouldn't be so wedded to our wealth that we don't want to give any of it away. We, God has blessed many of us so richly in the things that we have in this country and, uh, and in the circumstances in which we live. We sometimes hold on to things far too tightly. When I was growing up as a Christian, one of the things that we were always told about was uh, uh, the dangers of worldliness. We hear not so much about that this, uh, these days, but it covered how do we spend our wealth? How do we treat our money? W what do we look for in, 
uh, in, when we're getting a job? Is the salary the most important thing? Do we have aspirations to uh, increase our social standing, whatever? Or are we, first of all, wanting to follow Jesus? Remember that uh, rich young man who came uh, to, uh, to, to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. If Jesus was to say that to you, sell everything, give it to the poor, come and follow me. How would you feel? How much do we hold on to things? Or are we willing to give to the benefit of others? The early church was known for caring for it, it, it's, its poor and needy. And some of the groups like widows at the time were so poor, so needy and so numerous that they actually organized care programs to look after them. Others, they, we, we know from church history, uh, were helped by individuals just secretly giving. How much do we care about the poor and the needy? And it may not be financially needy now, it may be all sorts of other uh, issues that modern life has brought about. Uh, are we willing to give ourselves? It may not be money, it may be time, it may be skills or whatever. But are we willing to give and not make a great fuss about it? Because the reward is coming in it comes from knowing that you have pleased your Father in heaven. You've not impressed anybody else. One of the hardest things, perhaps. I hope that was outside and not in the building. <laughs> I think it was outside. It's disappeared now. Um, yeah, one of the, the, the greatest tests that we might uh, ask ourselves, if we do something, imagine you do something that's really important, really a great benefit to the church, and nobody knows about it, and you can't tell anybody. How would you feel? Would you be pleased? Or would you feel a bit miffed and say, I, I want to tell somebody about it, so that people might think I'm wonderful or whatever. We need to avoid that way of thinking. I'm going to stop now and hand back to Nathan, but first of all, can we pray? Lord, we do thank you that you have given us so much. We thank you that uh, so many of us can relax and know that we have homes to go to, uh, that are warm and, and uh, comfortable, that we have food in our cupboards and in our freezers, uh, and we know that we are not in danger uh, of being turfed out of our homes overnight. Maybe some here do have issues that, uh, along those lines that, uh, that they have to cope with, but Lord, most of us don't. We thank you, Lord, that you have done so much for us and above all that you have saved us and declared us to be not guilty in your sight because of Jesus. Our sin has been paid for, uh, atoned for. Uh, our guilt has been uh, covered over and we've, we now belong to you. So help us, Lord, and grant us grace that we might be 
uh, people who give, who serve, who offer ourselves, but to, to do it quietly. Help us, Lord, not to show off and to become proud and arrogant. Have mercy on us, we pray, Lord. Amen.